Welcome and thank you for downloading the Trinity Now podcast, recorded live from Trinity Church of Wesley Chapel. For more information about Trinity Church, please visit us online at trinitychurchnow.com. Now, filling in for Pastor Dave, let's join Pastor Justin. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians this morning. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And this is what God's Word says. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air of the Spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with Him, and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come He might show the surpassing riches of His grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its relevance in our life. Uh, God, I pray right now that as we study it, Lord, that the truth would come out, that we would gain wisdom and knowledge from its source, uh, and God, that your Holy Spirit would be there to intercede on our behalf. We love you and praise in your name. Amen. And you may be seated. Uh, Yesterday... Uh, and actually Friday night, starting Friday night at about 6 o'clock and running to, to yesterday at about 7.30, uh, myself and some of our students were at an event called Awaken, and they have yet to awaken. Um, we were at this event, it's, uh, it was a sort of a Disciple Now weekend, uh, uh, a discipleship weekend for our students. We uh, got together with a couple other churches, we had uh, four different speakers come and share, and I was... Uh, honored to be one of them. Uh, we just had a great time of growing and getting to know some other uh, believers and learning together. Uh, and so they are about to hear something they already heard last night. So please pray for them to stay awake. Um, guys, I don't want you praying because you'll fall asleep. I know how that works. Uh, so I'm honored to be able to share this with you. Uh, we shared it last night. Uh, our theme was Catalyst. Catalyst. The catalyst is something that causes change. It's the propulsion uh, of change, the propulsion of action in our lives. Uh, and we wanted to become catalysts for Christ in our community. We wanted to move the message of Christ. We wanted uh, to, to move people toward Christ in our community. And that's what the whole uh, weekend was about. And, and we also said something in the very beginning that I really, really liked. Uh, it, it's, we said, uh, Pastor Rob from First Baptist Western Chapel, he was our first speaker, uh, and he said, uh, tonight and tomorrow we have to agree together to be two things. We have to agree together to be honest, and we have to agree together to be real. Okay? Um, that's kind of hip lingo for, 
You know, be truthful, be authentic, okay? Uh, don't, don't fake, all right? Don't try to be something you're not, but really be who you are. And so uh, as part of that, I told a story because I wanted the students to know I could relate to them. And I think all of you can relate to this as well. Uh, we, we were at this conference, and then the kids were at this conference. They were up late. Uh, you know, they were swimming. They were wrestling. They were eating a lot of junk food. You know, all the fun stuff. And, uh, and they were up late, and they got there the next morning. And I, all the students at the morning session looked exactly like this. Let me know if you've seen this face. <laughs> you seen that face? Yeah. How many of you rolled over this morning and saw that face? Anybody? <laughs> All right, very good. We have some honest people here. I like that. Uh, and so that was their face. They were exhausted. They were just slap exhausted. And so I thought I'd share a story with them uh, that let them know I could relate to them. And, and I would like to share it with you. It's a good kind of icebreaker. I, I was a very responsible teenager. <laughs> I want you to know in my notes it says pause for laughter. Right, but I really was. I was a responsible teenager, uh, and and I, we were going to a Disciple Now event in Orlando. Right, so far away, going to Orlando, and we were going to be staying in hotel rooms. Right, this was big time. This was cool stuff, and uh, so we're going to be staying in hotel rooms. And and I was supposed to be rooming with a, a friend of mine named Brandon, and we were supposed to have an adult in our room. And I don't even remember which adult it was, but for some reason, something happened, and the adult had to go back home. And so our youth leader, her name was Camlin, came to me and she said, Justin, you're mature. You're responsible. Why is there so much laughter? You're mature. You're responsible. I trust you. It's just going to be you and Brandon in a room. You know, don't do anything crazy. Get a good night's sleep. You know, I trust you. <laughs> um, and so we proceeded that night. Uh, we, uh, we both kind of liked uh, wrestling, so we were like suplexing and body slamming each other on the beds. We were jumping back and forth doing dives and stuff. That was a lot of fun uh, until about 3 a.m. Uh, then we started getting a little tired. Uh, we had never had coffee before, but the hotel has the complimentary coffee, right? And so we, we each drank like six cups of coffee each because we wanted to stay awake. And so, uh, and so we were meeting for breakfast the next morning at like 7.30 a.m., and so we go down to breakfast, and we were just wired, you know. We're like, hey, this is awesome. We're so excited. And we head off to Bible study. And, I, and I, I'll never forget the girl sitting next to me. Her name was Emily. Emily was a very sweet, quiet girl. She was a great ahead of me. I didn't really know her that well. Uh, and, but we were kind of split off. Like, they didn't want us sitting with our friends in Bible study, right? So we got paired off with different people that we didn't really know too well. So I'm sitting next to Emily, you know, very sweet girl, very kind girl, just really quiet. And uh, I'm the exact opposite. And, and we're sitting in class, and I remember we got there late, so we had to sit on the floor. So I'm sitting on the floor with my back against the wall right next to Emily, and I start doing this move. Have you ever seen this move? Yeah, the, yeah, I'm paying, well, you know, I'm doing that. And, uh, and I'm catching like, I don't know, five seconds and then nodding off for ten and then catching five, nodding off for ten, like you guys do on Sunday morning. And, oh, I see you, I see you. And, uh, and finally, I guess, I just went out and I was, I was hanging like this and I had, I had drool coming down. Bad. And uh, 
poor sweet Emily. Um, she elbows me in the ribs to wake me up. I found out later she had like kind of touched my leg and kind of tried to shake me a little bit, but that didn't work. So she elbows me in the ribs. I kind of go like, ah, and I wake up and I look at the speaker. And can I borrow the signal right here real quick, real quick? I, I, I look at the speaker and he's holding, you know, the Bible, right? And so he's holding it and he starts ripping pages out of the Bible. He said, this is all heresy. If you believe this, you're going to hell. This is terrible. No one should believe this. And I scream. I go, ah! I'm scared. You guys, it scared me so bad. I was like, ah, what did I wake up to? Well, he was making a point about false teaching, and he was picking on our friends, the Latter-day Saints. He was using the Book of Mormon, okay? And he was ripping pages out of the Book of Mormon, saying that was false teaching, and it was heresy. I thought it was the Bible. It freaked me out, guys, so bad, so bad. And I stayed awake. We, we had like four more sessions that day. I was wide awake the whole time. I got home. I didn't go to bed until like 2 a.m. that night. I was, just, I was just staring straight ahead. So, so I could relate to being really tired in the morning and, and having uh, to come and listen to somebody speak. So if that's you this morning, uh, I apologize. Uh, please don't fall asleep. I'm not going to rip any pages out of anything. All right, but please just stay with me. Um, I do want to transition out. I'm talking about a very famous passage of Scripture, an incredibly famous passage of Scripture. It's one of the most preached chapters of the Bible, Ephesians chapter 2. And the reason it's one of the most preached chapters of the Bible is because it very clearly sets up a before, during, and after of salvation. Okay, It very clearly illustrates the salvation process uh, in 10 verses. So if you would turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, let's look at verse 1 through 3. Uh, this is where we are before Christ. This is sort of the setup here. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. It says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. So it says, first of all, it starts off by saying we were dead. We were dead. It's not a good place to be. We were dead in our sins and our transgressions. It also goes on to say we were living this life that was solely focused on what we could get out of it, on pleasure for ourselves, okay? Um, and, and we see that any time that we overindulge in pleasure, bad things happen. There is no way, there's no thing that you can overindulge in that gives you pleasure that will not eventually have negative effects, all right? Like food, all right, I'm, I'm there. I'm with you. It has negative effects, right? Um, alcohol, overindulging will have negative effects. I got one for all you people who are like, no, I'm good. Exercise. Did you know you can over-exercise to the point of exhaustion and hurt yourself? Did you know that? That's why I don't do it. <laughs> Steer clear. 
But anything we do that is just to bring pleasure to ourselves, even if it has some good benefits along the way, if we overdo it, if that's our sole focus, it will eventually lead to negative results. That's just the fact. And so we essentially here, we see that we are in a dire situation. When we are left to our own devices without Christ, we end up in a dire situation seeking fulfillment through pleasure. And it's always going to eventually have a negative result. Uh, one of the speakers this past weekend, he, he made a great point. Uh, he said, we're, we're kind of like a funnel who thinks they're a bowl. We're a funnel who thinks they're a bowl. Meaning we keep pouring things into our lives, thinking it's going to fill us up, not realizing that it's just going straight down and out of us the other way. We're a funnel who thinks we're a bowl. We, we're going to get fulfillment out of this, but ultimately... Whatever temporary pleasure it brings, it leaves us empty. Does that make sense? We're, we're funnels who think we're bowls. And, and so we are empty without Christ. We, we have this emptiness. We're trying to fill it with pleasure. It doesn't work. But then we see verses 4 through 7... And here's where the hope is. If you ever go to a preaching clinic, if you ever start thinking, hey, I, I want to be a preacher, the one thing, or one of the things they're going to tell you immediately is that preaching is not just divining Scripture. That's a huge part of it. But preaching is giving hope to a hopeless world. All right? Teaching is a lot of divining Scripture. There's certainly teaching and preaching. But every time you preach, there must be hope for a hopeless world. And here's the hope for the hopelessness in verses 1 through 3, starting in verse 4. But God, being rich in his mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, do you think he loved us? Do you, do you see that writing? With his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgression, transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. You see, God's desire, God's design for us is to be whole, and is to be whole with him. Okay? It's not to be whole separated. God is not looking to fix your life and keep you off to the side. The way God fixes you is by bringing you in to his family. I want you to think about this. When we do missions work, right? When we do missions, a lot of time our impulse for missions is when there is an issue, we like to throw a resource at it. Okay? And I'm not saying this is not helpful, because it can be very helpful. When there's an issue that comes up, we like to throw a resource at it, whether it's money, whether it's supplies, okay? Uh, you know, someone comes in and they're hungry, we, we give them food, and that's all we do. Or, or someone comes in and they need money to pay their electric bill. You know, we refer them to Samaritan Project, we give them the money, and that's all we do. And Carol's around here somewhere. Carol, and Carol's going to agree with me right here on this. She's going to know it. If that's all we do, we are not ministering to anyone. We're, we're fixing a temporary need and holding them at arm's length. We need to help people like Christ help people by bringing them to him. By bringing them close, because that's how Christ 
heals us through his love. He says he wants to bring you and sit you at his right hand seat. He wants you to be there with him. And so that's how Christ plans to heal us. That is the hope. We go from broken to healed. We go from low to high. And then we see sort of the mechanics of it here in verses 8 through 10. And we see the mechanics, we see the purpose. These are incredibly famous verses. Some of you are going to be able to uh, quote these. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. First of all, you don't control salvation. That's Christ. You don't control the parameters for receiving salvation. That's Christ. If we did, we would brag about it. Do you know how I know we would brag about it? Because I've seen your Facebook pages. You brag about everything. You know, I walked a quarter mile today, blessed, in shape. You know, that's... Congratulations, you know. Hey, that, that's wonderful, but we brag about everything, you know. I got the top off the pickles today. You know, super strong, man muscles, whatever. You know, we brag about everything. And so we can't brag about salvation because it's not us. It's God who does it, and it's designed that way so that we can't take credit for it, so we can't think it was us. And then next, in verse 10, we are created for this purpose, the reason Christ even designed this redemption is so that we could serve in the way that he has designed us to serve. He has a plan for us. All right. Whenever we hear that Jesus has a plan for us, I immediately think of Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. All right. It's one of the most misunderstood verses in the Bible. Because that's talking to a specific group. Right? That's talking to the, to the Israelites who were in exile in Babylonia, right? Who were giving up hope. And he said, don't give up hope. I have a purpose for you. And it's going to be, you're going to have a future. And you're going to have a hope. And we like to put it on walls and say, hey, this is for us. We have a future and a hope. Yeah, we do. But that verse isn't to us. This verse is directly to us. It says, because I have created you, you are my workmanship, because you're going to do the good work which I have designed for you to do. That is our purpose. That is our hope. Let, let's cross-stitch this one and put it up on the wall. Right? But this one's a little more meaty. This one's a little more meaty because it requires us to do something. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11 feels good because God's going to take care of it all. Right? This one, Ephesians 2, 10, is a little more meaty because, yeah, we've been designed to do good works for Christ, which he, is, he created this for. And so that means we actually have to, you know, do Good works. Not for our salvation. Listen to me. Not for our salvation. That's all taken care of by Christ. We have nothing to do with that. But as we honor him, it's through doing what he has called us to do. It's by doing what he has designed us to do. Does that make sense? Do you understand that difference? That's an important difference. Okay. So we've seen, uh, I just sort of rapidly <laughs> went through Ephesians 2 through 10. We've sort of seen this setup. Here, here's the last point I want to make. Our response to his mercy and grace is acceptance. That's it. God does the work. And now, for something completely different. Just hit pause. This is a weird sermon structure. Hit pause on this. Remember it. 
I want to tell you a story. Believe it or not, I once was a part of a men's Bible study that met at 6 a.m. on Thursday mornings. Believe it. Believe it. All right? I was a part of a men's Bible study that met at 6 a.m. on Thursdays. Miracles do happen. Now, here's what I need to tell you. I was a youth pastor at a church here locally. I, I knew kids. I knew students. I didn't really know men. You know, I was, I was younger than most of the guys. I didn't really have a relationship. Uh, men, you'll understand this. Women, I don't think you'll ever understand this, but this is what happened. We would walk into church, and this is what I would do. And they'd look at me, and this is what they would do. And that was all of our communication, right there, was that little, hey, sup. We didn't even say sup, right? Once again, that's what's up. It's, but we didn't even say it. We just, you know, head, head, you know. Looked like maybe we had loose necks or something. So that's, that's what we did. And uh, so I said, you know what? I need to get to know men better. I need to get to know them better because I work with our kids all the time, and I know that men are incredibly important in the lives of their children and the lives of their students, and, and I want to get to know them. I need to make an effort to get to know men. And the senior pastor at the time said, great, we're having Bible study at 6 a.m. Thursday morning. And I said, there's got to be another way. <laughs> and there wasn't. There wasn't another way. So I showed up at 6 a.m. Uh, that first Thursday morning, and I said that I was actually kind of excited about it because I was not going to be in charge. I was just going to be a part of a small group, okay? Which, when you're a pastor, the idea of just being a part of something and not in charge of something is incredibly exciting. All right, so I was very excited by that. And I, and I show up, and what we would do is we would, uh, we would stand in this, uh, well, we would sit stand, whatever, in this fellowship hall. Uh, we would sing a praise song together. A bunch of guys singing at 6 a.m. Andy, you sounded beautiful in comparison to us. All right. Uh, and we, we would just sing this song together. We'd watch a video. That we did a Bible study called Men's Fraternity by a gentleman, a gentleman named Robert Lewis. It was a fantastic study. And we would watch this video of him doing the teaching. We would have our work, workbook. We would kind of follow along. And then we would break up into our small groups. And so we would go upstairs. My small group met upstairs in the youth room. So it's kind of like home away from home. And in other small groups met other places. And our small group leader, guess what? First week, no show. No show. So who do you think they picked to be the new small group leader? Me. And you know what that means when you're the leader? It means you can't miss a week. <laughs> they saw me coming. Um, so, they, so we had this small group time. And I have to tell you, for the first probably five or six weeks, it was brutal. It was brutal. I hope all of you are a part of a group, a small group, a Sunday school class, some other Bible study, some other small group, uh, where you can really open up. Where you can really be honest and real, and people listen to you, and people respect you, and people share with you, and they uplift one another, and they encourage one another. I hope all of you are a part of that. If you're not, you need to be here next Sunday at 9 a.m. to start being a part of that. All right? But I hope you're all a part of that. But this group was not that group. This group was made up of a bunch of men whose sole interaction with each other was a head nod. And that's all we were. 
I was the youngest. I was 24, 25 years old, something like that. Uh, the next youngest was probably a, you know, late 30s, early 40s, and we had some who were up into late 60s, early 70s. It was kind of an eclectic mix of people. And so we had these follow-up questions. And so I was like, all right, I'm the group leader. Ask the follow-up question, blah, blah, blah. I would look up. No one would say anything. All right, number two, blah, blah, blah. No one would say anything. Number three, blah, blah, blah. Great, we're done. That took three minutes. Now we have half an hour left, and we have nothing to talk about. Somebody would then make a joke or something, and we would tell jokes for the next half hour. I like sitting around telling jokes, but that's not a small group. Okay? That's not what I was there for. I don't want to get up at 6 a.m. to have joke time, all right? So don't call me. So I'm in this group. It's kind of brutal. But now I'm in charge, so i got to be there. We hit, it's either week six or week seven. And Robert Lewis is explaining the relationship between a father and a son. The relationship between a father and a son. He's talking about wounds that men have from their parents. Wounds that are left on their men. Now listen, the reason he was talking about fathers and sons, ladies, is just because it was a men's Bible study. This is not exclusive to fathers and sons. This is a, a parent-to-child thing. But we were men, we were talking about fathers and sons. And he said, and he explained in this, uh, this session, that every young man needs to hear from his father three things. He needs to hear, I love you, I'm proud of you, and that you're good at something, and name that thing. I love you, I'm proud of you, you're good at something. And he explained how in his life uh, that manifested, and how it manifested with him and his sons, and how every man needs to hear that from his father. If he doesn't hear that from his father, it leaves a wound in his heart that can break him. And we watched this thing, we walked upstairs, we started going through discussion questions, and it happened. Someone broke down. Just absolutely melted. He said, I never heard my father say he loved me. Never once. He provided for me. You know, I had a roof over my head, I had clothes on my back. He never once said he loved me. And he starts bawling absolutely sobbing. Another man says, I, I don't tell my kids enough that I'm proud of them. I am. I hope they know it, but I never tell them. And, and he, he felt so convicted, and he started sobbing. And I'm sitting up here, and I'm this, I'm this 25-year-old, and I need to tell you, and it's kind of awkward because he's here, my dad was great at this. I am blessed to have an amazing father who told me those things all the time. And one day I'll, I'll be blessed to have a son and I'm going to tell him those things every chance I get. And a daughter that I'm going to tell every chance I get. But seeing these men open up and say, I just needed someone to say to me they love me. I need someone to tell me they were proud of me. I need someone to recognize that I was good at something and tell me that I was good at something. And when it didn't happen in their lives and they didn't do it in the lives of their children, it broke them. It absolutely broke them. It was, ended up being a good thing because we ended up growing from it. And that ended up being an incredible small group. Guys, I still keep in contact with today because we bonded through that group. But I want to tell you, every single one of you in here today, if you didn't hear that at home, 
if mom, dad, stepmom, stepdad, whoever you live with, grandma, grandpa, if, if they didn't tell you enough, I love you, I'm proud of you, you're good at something, I need you to know that there's a heavenly father who says all those things all the time. Look with me. Look with me really quick. I think God revealed this to me as I was preparing for this this sermon last night, and and I think this is just incredibly cool. Look with me back at verse 4. Back at verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. This is your heavenly Father saying, I love you. This is God reaching down to you and saying, I love you. Keep reading, verses 6 and 7. And raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. He raised us up to sit with him. He is proud of you. Your heavenly Father is proud of you. Keep reading. Keep reading 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. He has created you to be good at something. And he knows that you are good at what he has created you to be. I believe Ephesians 2, chapter 1 through 10 is not just a great way to talk about the gospel. It's a great way to speak truth into the hearts of broken people who maybe didn't have a father growing up, who maybe had an aloof father who didn't speak or an aloof mother who didn't really communicate their love or or maybe just didn't hear that or maybe just at a point in their lives where they feel broken, where they feel worthless, where they feel empty. I need you to know, if you feel broken... The Father says He loves you. If you feel empty, the Father says He is proud of you. If you feel worthless, your Heavenly Father is saying, You are good at something. You are good. I want you to let that speak to your heart this morning. There are people that we know, there are people here today who, who are feeling that, who are feeling that, you know, the, as they say on Facebook now, right in the fields, right? Skin you right here. There are people in our lives who need to hear that message. Sometimes we, when we think about God and we think about this whole spiritual thing, it's so abstract, right? It, we kind of can comprehend it, but it's hard to feel concrete what God is saying to us. I believe that God is saying to all of us this morning those three things. 
I hope they stick in your heart. I hope you share that with others. I hope you lead them to this passage of Scripture so they can see how much their Heavenly Father cares for them. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for speaking here this morning. God, your love for us is overwhelming. Lord, you're proud of us, and and we don't understand why. And God, you have created us to be good at things that you have designed us for. And God, we're unworthy. Lord, I pray for each and every heart in this room that you would speak those words to their heart. That they would stop filling their lives with things that are temporary and pleasurable. That they would stop sacrificing an eternal joy for a temporary cool or a temporary good feeling. They would invest in you as you have invested in them. Lord, we love you so much. We give you all the praise and glory in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Trinity Now podcast. For more information about Trinity Church, please visit us online at trinitychurchnow.com. We hope today's sermon has touched your heart, and we hope you will join us next week for another message from God's Word.